welcome to Doubting, the podcast where we talk about the concept of bravery or braveness. You can pick a word, you'll soon find out which one is my favorite. Hello, hello. I'm recording this intro on a Monday evening. I've just finished editing a new episode of Doughty. I've been sitting at my desk all day exchanging between my chair and my yoga ball because sitting all day in the same place, in the same like hardness of a surface makes your bum hurt. And that's what's happening. Also, my, my gear appears to have turned on me and I now almost need to hold it and caress it for it to respond properly and actually work for you to hear my voice. Independent of all that, the big news of my week is that I now have access to Disney+, Plus, all because I wanted to watch Thor Ragnarok, which I haven't yet, and that's a lot of fun. But it also means that now I have even more stuff to watch and not enough time. And yes, I will still record Doughty despite all the content there is to, to, to consume. I will give you even more content to consume. Just here to, to give you some choice. Today's episode is a very fun episode that I have a great time recording. We talk about being oneself, making a living as an artist, aging, all things that are part of life. I do need to make a content warning because we also talk about grief and we talk about harassment. So be aware that those are subjects that will be talked about it's also the first of two episodes in which my guest talks about leaving London or leaving the career path they're trying to succeed in. And that's hard, guys. That That's hard for me as someone who sometimes struggles with the fact that London is not always the best place to be. And should I really be pursuing my comedy career? All things to think about. I'm currently going to keep living in London and pursuing my comedy career even though there's no live comedy to, 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 to speak of but here we are. Now that I did bring the mood down, doubt you will start like it always starts with my guest Francesca Reed introducing yourself. I'm Francesca Reed, I'm a multidisciplinary artist, drag, comedy, I'm an actor, singer, comedian, I do voiceover presenting, but I'm also a practitioner facilitator. So I try to work with trauma and theatre and the arts and I facilitate young offenders, special educational needs groups, refugee groups. I also do it corporately uh, and yeah, an event manager. I'm writing more these days. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's like a lot because I usually add stuff, but I, I feel like you've really went through everything you do and you do a lot <laughs> you have i will mention that you have a very fun drag character called brentwood that people can find online he's very fun he's very naughty <laughs> but he's also very very aware of consent so that those are all things that i think are wonderful about him <laughs> yeah he is a mixed bag of stuff i think he's very sex positive kink friendly but he very much is about consent because consent is Sexy. <laughs> how would you define bravery? Oh, how would I define bravery? That's a big one, isn't it? Someone asked me this. They were like, what was your bravest moment? And I think about 10 years ago, it was when someone, like we were stood at the back because my friend uh, is paralyzed down one side of her body. So we like we were, used to go to metal gigs. And if I was there by myself, I'd mosh. But when I'm there with her, I'm there to enjoy. Um, and someone smashed into her. And so they were much bigger than me. <laughs> and I got into a massive fight. And this huge hole erupted around me where like everyone moved back and the band were looking down on us. 
Yeah, and then my boyfriend at the time, because I date across the gender spectrum, picked me up and said to the bloke, I think you've had enough now, mate. Go away. So that's what I would have said about 10 years ago. But I think now it's changed and has broadened. I think bravery is getting up every day and facing yourself in the mirror and living your authentic self and challenging the injustices in the world, even if that's going to have a consequence for you, that your ethical and moral obligation to a fairer society be that uh, challenging racism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, ableism, even if that is going to cost you something personally, the fact that you still stand up and do something about that. But equally, know that there are some times when you don't have the energy to fight that battle. So to be loving and kind to yourself, but also wherever possible to challenge inequality even if it has personal consequences. That's what I'm saying bravery is these days. It's become bigger and more, maybe a little bit more personal as well because uh, what you've just described, I guess, will be different for, for each person mm. and their values and stuff like that. I think also as well, like when I was younger, I was just struggling to survive. So therefore, whilst I did have a social conscience, it has broadened and gotten bigger. And you know that when they're like, oh, when you get older, you're going to get conservative. And I'm like, no, no. The, more, the older I've gotten, the more like all-encompassing, inclusive and liberal I've gotten. So maybe I'm going the wrong way. I'm Benjamin buttoning politically. I feel like sort of the same, but I think maybe also because we have more of an alternative lifestyle, because people who have told you, I imagine, because that's probably the same people who have told me that getting older will make me more conservative, are people who have got married, had kids, uh, have a job, like a nine to five job or nine to six or whatever. So they're probably at some point are busy, too busy to think not that we are not busy but you get what i mean they're busy with uh, other people to to actually care i don't know if they get more conservative but maybe they are more more worried about day-to-day -day stuff yeah i mean also it's it's that way by design isn't it because in order to control the masses they're so busy that they can't reflect or educate themselves be that people who are working five jobs because they just can't survive because they're cash insecure at the bottom or in the middle that they're working so hard to retain the status quo because we live in late-stage capitalism and a, and a progress product-oriented society. Like, it all kind of feeds in. It's made that way by, by design. Like, it's not an accident. So I, I get it. And there are lots of lovely, wonderful people in my life who are not conservative necessarily, but they say they're apolitical. In some ways, I find that more offensive. <laughs> I'm like, that's a real privileged position. Yeah, at least I have some beliefs, because, yeah, if you are a proper Tory, I guess you believe in what you're saying. So at least you have beliefs. You're not saying, oh, yeah. no, I don't care. I'm a political. Well, that's yeah, what I Hamilton am. says to Burr, isn't it? If you don't know what you stand for, what are you for for? That's not verbatim. That wasn't a direct quote. Sorry, Lynn manuel <laughs> but, but it was a little to that effect. That's one of my biggest... I, it's not... I'm going to say something that's not true and... But that's one of the biggest issues about COVID is that I had uh, a ticket to Hamilton in April and I didn't get to see it and I haven't seen it yet. Oh. But that's wrong information. That's not the worst thing. Don't quote me on what I said. Hey, look, we're part, I mean, not so much us, but maybe more Gen Z, but like our trademark is hyperbole. So when you say it's the worst thing, I don't literally think that you mean that you're not seeing Hamilton surpasses the deaths and economic yes. disparity and race inequality. It's all good. None of, none of us are here hating you. <laughs> and Hamilton is like the best. Yeah, like I've had it quoted to me before it even like reached UK over and over again. We have a common friend, Sonia, um, who 
knows it by heart and sang it over and over again every time something reminded it reminded her of it amazing so, yeah, i've heard long parts of it because of her but i haven't seen it yet i saw it in person with again uh, another mutual friend or at least somebody that i think we both know uh, james witt i went and saw it with his nieces and it was amazing and then i saw it uh, broadcast i was uh, again another mutual friend vic hogg's house and we were watching it with her family and it was amazing but Honestly, there is nothing quite like seeing it. However, I would say that seeing it with the American cast felt very special because they've got more of an attachment to the history and they know about it. And again, I think something that came up importantly recently with Hamilton is there are problematic elements to it and the representation of individuals as like almost heroic figures when they definitely were either slave owners or recipients of, of, of wealth created therein. And Lin-Manuel was like, yeah, take that on board. Thanks so much. And I felt like it was quite a healthy conversation whereby you can love and revere the thing and say, this is an incredible musical. There's brilliant representation. It's unlike anything before. It's bringing hip hop um, more into the mainstream and giving it the pedestal it deserves and new voices and new faces. But equally, we can also look at it and say, there is some stuff we do differently. And actually, I think it could be a little bit better. Like the bit at the end when it's like, blah, 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 the whole show. And then, I mean, spoiler alert, if you've not watched it, stop listening for 10 seconds now. But, and then it's like, yeah, do that. Put your fingers in your ear, revert. And then, and then it's like, and by the way, Eliza did all this really brilliant stuff. Blah, 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 and like her life is reduced to this little five second sound bite at the end. And you're like, okay. They should do um, a spin-off about her. They should. She's not very, like, as a character, she's a bit, I think because you love Hamilton so much. Although that song where it's like, I shouldn't have had this affair, but I couldn't stab myself. Oh, feel sorry for me. It's like, no. Catherine Ryan does a really funny set all about that. And it's like, no, I don't feel sorry for you. Also, you're a politician. You must have known. Something might have come out. But uh, yeah, I hope if they did it again, or maybe that they did a gender swap performance whereby any gender identity, be that swapping the male to the female characters or having non-binary or trans performers within that would be amazing. Yeah, I guess like there's uh, a lot where a lot of places they can take it. I think in itself, and I haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't know about uh, the actual artistry of it, but what it did, as you said, to, to hip hop and to so some of the um, representation yeah, it's like so many people that came out of the the first one and the uh, the subsequent castings of it that became mm. successful and it's great. Yeah, they gave people a chance at the beginning of their careers, like some of them. Some of them were obviously very established musical theatre performers, but they definitely gave some newer faces some chances. And that, I think, across the entertainment industry is what doesn't happen enough. It's like you use the same people they've realized that someone's saleable. So what they do is they just use that person again and again and again, like they rinse them. Like John Barrowman, real nice guy, but there was a period of time where for about three years, he was on everything, like without question. Even if it wasn't his specialist subject, he'd have been there, time team, Tony Robinson, looking at some fossil. He doesn't know anything about archeology. span He'd have been, every he was in everything. Like sand from the beach. Yes, Call back everywhere. <laughs> I had to wash my my backpack, but it wasn't sand; it was mud that was like plastered mm. against it. We were before we started recording. We were talking about going to the beach. That's why this you came like you had a nice by the way. The other day, oh yeah, uh, sort of. Uh, it was a bit of a nightmare because uh, I'd never been to an estuary, so I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know that I would encounter cockles if I tried to reach the water that was really far away. So I, I'm okay, Maddie was hurt, more hurt than me 
because she fell on a her. lot on the cockles. I have like a few cuts in my feet, but she has cuts in her feet, her legs, her hands. They are scratchy little devils, old cockles. <laughs> and uh, like the mud flats are really slippery. And oh yeah. Your feet get really down there. So yeah, it was an adventure. Was anyone else there swimming with you? Eventually, because then we just waited for the water to reach us. And okay. Yeah, there were there were a lot of people there okay i wonder i was like have you just gone to some like secret place <laughs> we went to leon c and someone had suggested it to me as a good place to go and then someone else from essex told me it was the best part of essex it kind of is it's very beautiful i think you know what you would get with south end on sea would be a lot busier and like computer arcades but you would have shops and restaurants and stuff but lee's very pretty it's quite village it was it was nice despite uh, all the hurt <laughs> it was <interesting laughs> i feel like sometimes that stuff makes it even better because you're like oh we really made this yeah. so you've like you've mentioned a moment where you would say you have had been brave as like more of a teenager but I've asked you to think about a moment or moments where you have been brave have you thought about them is there something like B? I think one of the most difficult and most powerful moments of bravery for me in the last while was um, sadly my mum died in 2017 And we had a very complicated relationship, so it's by no means easy, that grief. that It never is, but like, you know, if you had a real good relationship, I think it might be a slightly smoother process, but it's a little bit complicated for me. But I know how much she loved me singing, and the minute I would start singing, she would just weep, because that, you know, she loved me unconditionally, conditionally in some unusual ways but I stood in front of her her coffin before she was cremated which by the way as a segue we all need to get much better at having conversations about death that's one of my biggest passions one of my biggest beliefs there's a brilliant Facebook group called the order of the good death I think and uh, I hopefully will get composted or put into a tree or something I don't want to be made into a diamond and then end up in like some weird freaky house whereby I'm part of an evil plan I want to just be like nourishing the earth FYI <laughs> Like the cycle just if of you're life. in a situation yeah if i if i'm there if you and i'm yes yeah I'm there, be like no happens, no, no that's not what she wants plant her <laughs> um but the the moment was i was stood in front of her coffin and i sang her favorite song or one of her favorite songs and that was wind beneath your wings by bet midler and it was extreme it was excruciating but As long as I didn't look back, I was able to do it. And I think one of my super skills is that, and it's also one of my kind of harder qualities as well, is that I'm able to kind of, in a moment, switch on to what I need to do. Um, if there was an emergency, have me on your team because I'm real good at stuff like that because I'm able to like snap my brain out of any kind of feeling uh, and then like sort the situation out. When I was in Israel, my friend's face, we were doing a fire breathing performance for my friend's wedding and we were like, doing a little bit of a practice and my friend got some paraffin on her face uh, and then she did a mouth breathe and then like the side of her face went on fire and literally I just went up and like hugged her to my chest and luckily put her out but I don't I don't even actively remember like that I don't in my brain I don't think oh I made that decision it was like it just was an instinctual thing that kind of kicked in and sometimes yeah. when I do improv so that's when I've had incredible moments where someone goes to me afterwards oh that line where you said xyz that was like clever on so many levels and I'll be like conscious of one of them because I meant one thing but actually and that I guess that's present isn't it that's like being in flow yeah. so bravery singing in front of my mum's coffin but mostly being able to try and be a bit more vulnerable and to try and show up for myself to do my one person show which I did at the vaults 
uh, you so beautifully photographed and lots of people attended and to stand there and be like this is me this is what I'm showing you and to and to not feel like I'm going to crumble if someone doesn't like adore that I think it's all been part of growing and getting older and just being like okay I do sit in my room freaked out like everybody else does and I do mull things over at three or four four o'clock in the morning oh your body's getting older do you want children you're not married yet you haven't got a house Uh, what are tardigrades are they extraterrestrials like I mean maybe not everyone has the water bear (laughs) consideration but you know I have all of those fears but I think it's having the fear and doing it anyway which I think has been uh progressive bravery yeah I feel like uh, it, it has come up on a podcast before, but yeah, like vulner- vulnerability is very scary. I hate being vulnerable in a weird way because I don't mind putting myself out there in something that it's out of my comfort zone. But then like if I do like end up crying or something like that, I hate doing that in front of people. Yeah. And it's something that I'm trying to get better at because I block myself. It's like a blockage. Uh-huh. I, okay, I'm not speaking because if I speak, I will cry. So don't look at me and go away. Uh, Which reminds me of a situation with fire, actually, where something similar happened. I, in my uni, uh, one of the traditions, like, I think it's third year at uni, we have, like, parades every year and at Uh the third year we build up an allegoric car with like paper flowers and we build ours was in the shape of a beer bottle (laughs) and then we go on the car and we drink ourselves silly Uh, I no longer drink but I did at the time we get very drunk and we just go through the parade and a thing that happens and it's very stupid and maybe they should stop making cars out of paper flowers <laughs> if it happens every year there's some stupid people that get the cars on fire and it's paper oh, wow. uh, and I had like a similar uh, like not thinking we had like um, buckets with ice for the alcohol <laughs> so my first thought was to take all the alcohol out of the buckets of ice and just throw the ice on the, yeah, yeah. the flowers someone smarter than me or like or quicker than me remembered we had a fire in- extinguisher and actually used that so i didn't need to go through with my <laughs> but yeah all of that i was super calm and uh, i'm doing this because this is what will put the fire out and after that someone came to me saying hey after it it was all good it's fine it's fine there's no longer fire and I started crying and every time they told me to stop crying I kept crying harder uh, which I guess is like the the nerves just got to me but it's like a weird thing and I hate well it is weird because it's like a release of cortisol there's a couple of things as well like I become very calm in an emergency but that doesn't mean that that's right and there have definitely been times when I have frozen if it's been a different kind of emergency if it's been personal against me and we all must understand that there's no wrong or right way to react to any kind of situation it just depends on how your brain functions and and what that specific situation is but like it's if you can do stuff that's absolutely fantastic and and it's brilliant but it is like when I finished that moment where I like had punched that guy a bunch of times I don't advocate for violence PS but also I'm gonna finish the fight I never said that but what (laughs) but after I had finished like he was much bigger than me like way way bigger but after that had all happened because he smashed in and then he spat in my friend's face just for context he smashed into my friend pushed her over and spat on her so I feel pretty justified (laughs) But violence is bad, kids. My legs were like jelly. I couldn't stand up because of the adrenaline. As much as I'd been like ferocious in that moment, it does. It does weird stuff to your body. And I also think as women, we've 
so often been told not to have extreme emotions because we've been labeled as hysterical or crazy and this and that. So therefore, we're always trying to keep a lid on everything. And particularly when it comes to anger, it's very hard to like sit in anger and be like, I'm angry and that's okay, let's have a conversation. A lot of the time we transmute it into sorrow or sadness. And then for the other, it's the other way around for men or people who identify as, as, as male or who are socialized in that way from a young age, who are told they're not allowed to be sad and they then like transmute that into anger. Mm-hmm. So there's just yeah. a lot of awful coding in society that tells us not to just feel what we're feeling. And that whole crying in public thing, I absolutely used to hate it and I still don't love it, but I also realized that that's a product of me feeling ashamed of feeling. And so therefore I'm trying to break that down and trying to allow people to see me as not the strong woman that everyone, because um, I am a strong woman me crying or showing weakness or having those emotions does not negate that but you know what sometimes when you are the strong person people don't go hey are you all right like people just don't check in with you because you check in with them or they just assume you're super independent and don't need it and so you start to believe that narrative and you create that and then you don't want to be seen as as vulnerable but it's nonsense crying is good for us let's all just cry 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 yeah it's very dumb because like I'm, i'm fine crying like on the bus when no one knows me but if it's someone i know it's like uh, no and it's part of being brought up to be like a strong woman i was brought up yeah. by my independent uh, mom uh, who's very strong and i've seen her cry once so yeah it's like that's on my brain and i'm trying to deprogram myself from that oh sure i did once also punch a boy i was a girl so i wasn't an adult <laughs> punching a boy he was strangling my friend we were oh. doing like that game which i guess you also have here uh which is like you have an elastic and two people stand at each end of the elastic and someone jumps jumps into elastic with like singing and doing maybe you don't have this game because you're making a puzzled face so maybe you don't have that game i can <laughs> i can kind of see it in my head but i feel like it's maybe a bit like a double dutch sort of something but we weren't that involved with skipping we just had one rope and that was it so i think i can picture what you're talking about but so like boys used to like come and pick up the elastic and just pull it and drop it so it will come to our legs and hurt us but we knew knew better and we used to step on it so my friend stepped on the elastic so she wouldn't get hurt and he decided to strangle her i don't know boys will be boys not Uh, and i just like punched him all over Until he, and I think I am justified. So yeah, violence. 100%, 100%. Look, at the end of the day, if it's in self-defense or you're looking after people, I don't see it. Like, I think that a lot of the time I can be scary enough vocally that I can make people go away. But if that fails and you are going to hurt, like if someone comes up to me, it's a different situation. I might not get as angry. But if you're going to hurt someone who I feel is vulnerable or who doesn't have an opportunity to protect themselves, because I was that vulnerable kid who had a very difficult like hard childhood and then who as a kid at school was bullied only ever by boys physically in fights a lot of the time I know how to stand up for myself and I just don't like to see anyone be victimized and so in whatever way I can stand up for someone I will do if I've got the spoons and even sometimes when I haven't I will be there to try and like look after people is there a moment where you maybe haven't done something for fear or lack of bravery. I don't know if you had more moments of bravery you'd like to talk about, but also the opposite. I'm going to preface this with saying um, that I don't think I was wrong, but I was very confused by my reaction. And I was super upset that it even happened. And content warning, it is about um, somebody like violating the sanctity of my body, but it isn't 
down the other end. I was doing a job and it was Halloween and I was playing the character from, this was just this year just gone and I'd been very ill in hospital. I'd been uh, hospitalised with tonsillitis when they thought I had uh, potential septicemia and I was lying in this bath and it's the scene from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street where she's in the bath and then Freddy Krueger's hand comes up while she's having a dream. And so I'm turn up to the job and the woman's like, oh, I thought you were going to be a size 8 or 10. And I said, well, I'm not, mate. And I spoke to your boss. I said, I'm a size 14 at the time. Is that an issue? She was like, oh, no, but we just don't have underwear for you. And I was like, well, I brought some backup underwear. You're welcome. She was just really horrid from the off. The guy comes in. He's already like stinking of booze and whatever else. And I should have at that point been like, do you know what? I'm leaving. But I didn't. And everyone else was getting changed into uh, their outfits. And I was very aware that I hadn't earned money as a freelancer for those two weeks that I'd been extremely, extremely ill. I've never taken time off which you should take time off. You absolutely shouldn't look after yourself. I just hadn't, uh, historically. Anyway, so I go and get painted with blood. Then I go and get in this bath, get covered by these little polystyrene balls. The hands put in the thing with me. And then I'm kind of there dreaming, sleeping in this event. I had my eyes kind of closed. I was dreaming, so I couldn't see a lot of people a lot of the time. And I'm sure they were making like rude lewd or inappropriate gestures around me but I couldn't see it so I was like whatever and if you also if you post this on your social media then what kind of a person does that make you look you if, like if you're in some sort of rapey pose and you're happy to be like lol look at this that reflects you as an absolute piece of shit and let this be a warning to the, the women uh, in your life but anyway as the event progressed I was in the bath and this guy comes up and goes look at it look at it look at it it's a hermaphrodite it's a, and then grabbed my breast and I was so horrified and I was in work mode. So like I've always been taught to like be professional and like not make a scene and da 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 da. And so that and the kid part of me that was just so vulnerable and had experienced this as a younger person was just totally in freeze. So like normally my reaction is to like fight someone or, or, or to like be very calm and have the thing happen. But I was so shocked by it. And the women around him really didn't act in a way that I felt was uh, very good or very helpful. They were like, oh, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> like laughing because he was obviously rich. And then he was like, oh, well, if it doesn't like it, then it can go downstairs. My name's on the book, sue me. And I was so upset and angry. And the minute he'd gone, because I didn't want to see, I didn't want him to see that I felt vulnerable. I didn't want him to see that. I stood up and tried to speak to the event organiser. Um, who was like, oh, yeah, I'll go and try and find them. This person was extremely distinct looking. They could have found this individual, but I think they were probably too inebriated at that point to be useful. And instead of leaving, I went and hid in the toilets until the end of the event. And I was absolutely desolate afterwards. Not even so much about the event, because I've had people try and transgress my boundaries in extreme and less extreme ways. I mean, walking around the street the last few days, running, people are asking me to drop down, show them what I got, all of this stuff. It just happens. People who say they don't think this happens to women, I literally go out looking like a foot. I look like a human toe and I'm still getting this sort of feedback because as we know, it is not about sexual attraction. It's not about the way you look. It's about control over yourself and also thinking you own the streets. You can do what you like. And it was the, it was the hurt and the upset of the way I felt that I had let myself down, which I hadn't, but society makes you question yourself versus look out and say, you should never have done that. And it really took a little moment for me to kind of process that and come come to terms with that and, and be angry again and be like, no, I'm not going to turn this in on myself and beat myself up. You did something wrong. One, you used extremely offensive gender language. And had I have been someone who 
wasn't a cis woman or was in a slightly different aspect of my gender identity I was questioning stuff or I was NB or I was trans then that could have been very damaging to me in that respect one and then two like on this gender basis that you felt that you could just touch somebody's body like what so that that was a time recently that I as someone who's grown big and strong and very like happy with myself and the way I reacted to things had this reaction that really was kind of from a historical place and I had to sit with myself for a second and say, that's okay. It's all right that you didn't do anything yeah. wrong. I think I feel like some things that made me think about it, it's not totally related, but somehow related. I think like the perception we have of what is allowed from like socialization, I guess, uh, is so, so odd. When Me Too first happened, it made me think about like experiences in my life that might have happened because not, nothing truly bad ever happened to me, which I'm privileged uh, uh, at, but catcalling and... Uh, inappropriate touching happened at times but I remember a moment like catcalling happens a lot in Portugal uh, in ways that is um, I've mentioned also in another podcast that as a 13 year old I had stuff shouted at me because I developed early mm -hmm. so I guess men saw boobs and thought I was an adult I don't know maybe they just didn't care so like catcalling happens a lot but I think touching happens less than in the UK because My first uh, outing here, uh, when I first came to the UK to do my master's, I was out in a club in Camden and a guy just like tried to kiss me out of nowhere. He was just walking past me and he just mm. tried to kiss me and I managed to avoid it. And it was like just weird. And like we all laughed it out off because it was just weird. But then more than that, like later, the second time I moved here, I was also out in a pub in East London and a guy grabbed my boob. And I was also like just going to, okay, like he grabbed my boob, I pushed him away. It's fine. I'm not going to say anything and I'm just going to laugh it off. And it was one of my friends that actually like got really, actually talked to the guy and said that it, it was unacceptable. And like yeah. all the other friends were like, oh, come on, um, chill. It's not that bad. And it was only like years later. I think it had been at least a year after that Me Too happened. And I realized that it was bad. It was something that I should have told the guy to fuck, fuck off. And I just laughed it off. So I think it's a weird perception we have from the way we are brought up in this society. Actually, when well, Me Too happened, I did thank this friend because I think there were two or three situations in my life where I, I felt like someone else knew how to act and I just thought they were maybe too too much. <laughs> and now thinking back, I think, no, they were right. I was the one that was not perceiving it as correctly. But like, I mean, it's super cool that you were able to take a step back from the situation and thank your friend, but you can't, you should not and do not need to blame yourself for your reaction. Like you are socialized in a way that kind of makes you think that you don't want to make a fuss or it isn't that bad but like there is no misery olympics there is no sexual assault olympics like the worst thing that happened to you is the worst thing that happened to you and like it's not worse or or better than anyone else's like you're allowed to like be upset about that and feel aggrieved and
And sometimes it's not as it's not that simple, is it? To like someone does something to you, therefore you react. I had a situation happen to me like when it was in lockdown and we were allowed to exercise again and the streets were absolutely dead. But I was running along and there were like three men and they started following me being like, show me, show me your ass, show me your ass. And normally I would might have turned around and had a go at them. But I was in danger because there was nobody else around. And had they have decided that they didn't like what I had said, which again is the issue, isn't it? It's like when I wouldn't say that like sexual assault doesn't happen the other way around. And also we know that within the, the trans community, often it happens, you know, doubly or worse. And particularly, unfortunately, losing brothers and sisters through them being murdered a hundred percent. But like it's when you're in a group that isn't in that position of power and there's like numbers, sometimes you can't do something and you can't be like, you can't beat yourself up because you've got to self-preserve sometimes. And, you know, thank, thank goodness for your friend who didn't gaslight you and didn't make you feel weird. And that's the great thing is that, you know, we all come to stuff at different times in our journey. So like maybe at the time you didn't see how hard it was, but when the wider conversation op- opened up, you were like, oh, actually that is sexual assault. It, you know, it does, upskirting is anything that like contravenes your right to dignity, autonomy and to be left alone. Like also, I feel like my gender presentation kind of moves around a bit. And when I was doing my show um, at the vault, I had this really kind of my first big moment of, of feeling a bit dysphoric because I was inhabiting this extremely masculine space but I actually came on my period and I think because I was so anxious about the show and selling it not doing the show I can perform all the live long day and I love doing performance I mean it was nervy because obviously it was my first solo show in as an outing but it was more like are people going to come are people going to buy tickets what am I going to do about this but because I was anxious and because I came on my period, I had this moment where I was like, I'm in a this boy body and I'm having a pe- oh, It was this real disconnect for me, which also might be the beginning of something, I don't know. But I feel like I'm quite, as much as I say I'm a cis woman, I would say that, you know, I am leaning more towards the fact that I might be a bit more gender non-conforming because I definitely, even as Francesca, def- have more kind of masculine moments and, and more feminine moments. I think the words are very unhelpful, but, you know, they're the shorthand for what we have at the minute. The words we have. But, um, yeah, they're the words we have. But there's so much weight and judgment behind them. I think that's the issue. Words and, the words in and of themselves, yeah. not a problem, but it's what's attached to them. Um, I don't know where I've gone with this, but I just wanted to say, you do you and look after yourself and, like, don't beat yourself up. Pe- people can only meet you where you are at and you can only meet yourself where you're at, but you can also try and strive for more. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think like the, the reason why I bring it up when I bring it up and I br- brought it up at the time is that I think that we, we do have to have these conversations because someone is growing up right now and should be aware that the way we were being, I don't know what's happening right now to kids. I only, the only contact I have is with my niece. So she's the only one I, I can, uh, I have like feedback from. But yeah, the way <laughs> we were brought up in society before was maybe made us uh, have a perception that maybe should change of things like this. So I think the mm. conversations need to happen. And that's why I think saying that back then I thought I didn't see a big deal about it, but now I do is like important for some people to hear. Oh, for sure. But like super important but important it's, some it's <laughs> all important myself, uh, uh, but uh, a huge importance that's not what i'm saying but no but we're all we are all individually vitally important and extremely irrelevant all at once like again it's holding those two things sometimes you're the most important person and and you're the main character and then other times you're but a speck on the planet and you know it, it melds and shifts like the tide like the tide that you found at leon sea call yes. back <laughs> 
or didn't, as the case was. You had to wait for it to come back in. Cockles and muckles. Was it? The song is Cockles and Muscles, A Lie to Die Day. It's like an old um, Cockney song. So I don't know if you know about this, about me, but my family are all from London originally, apart from my dad's side. He was the product of an American GI coming over, getting someone pregnant and then leaving. But I, you know, my father and I's relationship is probably quite well known on social media. But um, my, my mother's side of the family were all kind of like Londoners and publicans. My mother used to wax lyrical about pie and mash and liquor and how much she loved jelly deals. And I'm really, I'll eat a lot of things, but jelly deals is, uh, I don't know. I might have to revisit them. I think my, my remembrance as a kid, I was never a massive fan of the jelly and pork pies. Don't, don't ask me why, I just wasn't. A little old Melton Mulberry. I like it without the jelly. And some people are like, the jelly's the best bit. But anyway, cockles and mussels, Leon C. Thank you very much. I've done a tangent again, Marianne. <laughs> Thank you for being patient with me. I will, uh, for the first time, I guess, in this podcast, I will put out the uh, pre-podcast conversation because there's been so many callbacks to it that I think it needs <laughs> to, to go out. It made me think that like a, a, a big thing in Portugal, in the area I... I I grew up in is lamprey, a big food thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know how a lamprey looks like and, or what it is. It's like a big, uh, <laughs> snaky. For, for snaky everyone else's benefit, fish, I did like a yes. little pulley out thing. <laughs> it's like a, uh, a snaky fish sort of thing with like teeth which looks weird that that like it's eaten a lot in where i'm from and i've i could never because it just disgusts me i'm now vegetarian so it's fine i don't need to eat it uh, but yeah, i would go <laughs> to excuse. the lamprey restaurant to eat that because my parents would go every year at the time where it's uh their time and i'd eat fish and oh creme brulee. so much good fish oh creme brulee and also what's it called a uh, Nasta, uh, pasta de nata. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I had some really delicious fish. I've been to, I've been to Portugal twice now. I went to, I mean, I went to the, the most obvious places. I went to Porto and I went to Lisbon both times. The first time I accidentally went to Lisbon because my friend, <laughs> we got on the plane and they lost their passport on the plane and then we're getting off and they couldn't, and I was like, oh my, what are we going to do? They're not going to let us in the car. Anyway, I spoke to the border patrol and I said I said to my friend look see if you have you got like a picture of your passport or like a scan or something so she looked and luckily she did and I was look I'm so sorry look this is my friend's passport we've had a real issue if we say we'll go to the consulate tomorrow will you let us in and they were like yeah okay <laughs> so cheers Portugal obrigada muito obrigada and that's why we went Lisbon because we had to go to the consulate it was yeah. a four a four hour train journey there and a four hour train journey back to go and get a bit of paper I think that's why in like a lot of movies where there's a criminal one of those thrillery kind of movies a lot of criminals run away to Portugal I think that's why <laughs> you can get well, in without a passport <laughs> probably not anymore <laughs> but, at, but apparently you were able to before I feel like I'm quite charming though Mariano if we're honest and I think maybe they're like oh she seems alright <laughs> And also, I think I was quite gaunt and like a bit worried looking at the time. So they probably thought, oh, get her in, get her out of here. Do you have anything coming up that you think will require bravery from you? And I know we're in a, like a very weird time, but yeah, despite or in spite of that. For me, the bravery that I'm requiring now is, will I have to reconsider the way that I live my life quite seriously? And will I have to reconsider what it looks like? I'm already having quite a difficult situation. Again, if anyone follows me on social media for some real hot content, like my whinging about my extremely antisocial housemates, you might be able to hear some saxophone in the background right now. I don't know. I hope you can't. 
But basically, the work I had before doesn't exist in the same way. And if it does, it's a third of the amount and people are trying to pay me a fraction of the price. And so I'm looking for housing. I'm trying to stay in Lambeth because that's where my family is from. And I hadn't, I've lived in all four corners of London, but I've never come back to Lambeth. And having come back to Lambeth over these past few years, I felt this kind of, I've never really felt a sense of home with an area per se. I've been happy to go anywhere, but I do feel a sense of like belonging and community. Uh, and also if I'm here for another three months, I get to go on the council list. So thumbs up. Um, <laughs> So there's a benefit in a couple of ways. But I need to have bravery to try and reimagine what things might look like for me in terms of content creation and maybe the fact that I might have to get, inverted commas, a more commercial corporate job for a period of time. And how do I do that but not relinquish my authenticity and how do I not stop producing art and work? Because I felt like at the beginning of the year, I was just about to like take off into the sky because I'd made the show I had content I was going to be able to try and get funding for it and you know and maybe that's not all over but maybe I just need to reconsider what it might look like for a moment and also not to get freaked out by my advancing years um which are not that many thank you very much anyone who's listening uh, <laughs> I feel like but... that's a recurring thing because like, I feel that all the time. I, my advancing years also freak, freak the hell out of me because we know that in, in the arts, that sort of matters in some ways. Well, so, yeah. there's a lot of emphasis put on emerging artists, which there 100% should be. But what people don't consider is that people emerge at different times and different ages, particularly if you come from a different class background. Like I went to drama school, but had like a full ride, didn't happen to get like a brilliant agent out of drama school and then worked like a dog to try and keep myself in London, picking up bits and pieces here and there. But it didn't amount to enough unfortunately, because I was so terrified of not having a roof over my head because I didn't have a support system to catch me should that happen. And so I feel like now I've gotten to a point where I've worked hard enough, I have enough of an established network, I have more confidence and less fear about like not having money because I've kind of worked out ways to, you know, just at least tick over. And now is when I feel like I'm emerging. Now is when I need the support. Had you have given that support to me when I was 25, I'm or, or, or you know, when I came out of drama school, I might not have been ready to have taken that and run with that. But now I am ready to emerge and I would love some emergence support. Like I'm a baby, I need to be born, get the forceps out, sing me a I'm song, so get that lighting good. You brought the baby up because I was going to say, I was going to describe to our listeners that the, what you were doing with your hands seemed like you were being born. I'm swimming out of the artistic <laughs> birth canal. That's what I'm, I'm like, hello. Or maybe a test tube. Maybe it's a really big test tube <laughs> whatever like if I'm well because I'm self-created so therefore yeah maybe I'm in a test tube of my own making and I've mixed myself up and I've got the right atomic structure boom 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 chemicals are doing nicely together we've not had any explosions for a while although they're always bubbling away in the background a couple of noxious gases but don't worry about it it's not going to harm anyone let me out the test tube come on art let me out I'm coming out that test tube <laughs> great visual you're really missing out guys honestly <laughs> it's majestic What, what I was going to say, the last thing was, um, that is why I think, I mean, one society, when you are a woman and you're not 25, a lot of the time they want to make you invisible and they want to make you believe that there aren't opportunities for you and things do dwindle a little bit. But then that's about making your own work and making opportunities and doing what you can in that respect and upholding other people who are not represented. So, you know, it's a really simple thing. But when I'm ever on Twitter or Instagram or if I get anything come through to me, I will always 
tag and share things with my friends who are Southeast Asian artists, uh, black creators, who are trans, who are LGBTQIA, who are working class similarly. Like I will always share opportunities because even if I fit the parameters of something, it might not be me that they pick, but I'd love it to be someone I know and love. And then we can all, unlike the crabs in the bucket, isn't it? That's that like social mobility thing where it's like they're all pulling each other down. Unlike them crabs, we're going to reverse it. And we'll just pull each other up. We'll all just help each other up out of this like quagmire of iniquity and inequality that, you know, those who would not want us to succeed have allowed to, to exist. And we'll just rise up together. That's important, I think. And um, that, that's what I was saying to you, the age thing as well. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a parent. I'm not decided. I mean, that's not very queer revolutionary, is it? But also it's about choice. So whatever in your faces. Um, but I don't know. And, and, and obviously that is a concern for me in a way that it would not be if someone were, were male, for instance, or someone who didn't want to. And I feel like I'm at a weird point in my life where I'm like, what, what do I do? What does it look like? Will I be happy with that in 20 years? How does one know? I also am very, I really want to adopt. So that does take the pressure off as well. I want to adopt because my dad was adopted and sadly couldn't really break the pain cycle. And it feels like one, there are so many children who need love and I would love to be able to offer that to them. But I also feel like, not that it's like a responsibility necessarily, and, and but it does feel a bit of a part of my destiny to try and rewrite that situation and like make that end better within my lineage. Big stuff for a Friday evening. <laughs> the, the, the reason I struggle with it so so much I, I think at times it's like I, I have a total uh, different life before I started in the arts so I'm so young in the arts space but not so young in age and I, I, I feel that the the balance between that those two parts of the scale struggling all the time the fact that I do need to like have a lot more experience in the arts and in what I'm doing and like learn more and more but I'm getting older and if I don't start doing stuff that matter maybe it will be too late but at the same time this is like a worry and I know it's not real and things will happen anyway or won't and that's oh, fine. I know and it's so stressful right because it's like oh too late who, who made up too late and also all of this stuff we're worrying about, I doubt it like doesn't just come from within ourselves. It's all constructed of these like arbitrary accomplishment markers. And that, you know, because we value ourselves for our productivity, again, that's all kind of part of the same soup. And it's just extremely frustrating. We deserve more. We need we deserve to release ourselves from these bounds. Um, but you know, I've been trying to so far for a lifetime, and maybe by the end of it I'll be like, it's all okay. I'll be very zen about it. But at the minute. I'm, I'm strad I, uh, intellectually I understand that they are arbitrary external parameters given to me by somebody else but like that bit of me that wants to succeed and and, and is still re repeating the mantra that was offered to me about this is how it must look I'm trying to kind of dismantle that so a hard job that we're all trying to do or a hard work that we are all trying to do yeah we're getting to the end of the podcast because we've been recording for almost an hour so this has been a very fruitful conversation. And talking about productivity, the last thing I ask is if you have any plugs. A film I've, uh, that I was in has just finished. So that's, that's a plug. That's called Eve, and that's going to be going around the festival circuit pretty soon. 
and Brentwood W-O-U-R-D because he would anything especially you uh, is going to be in Macho Man Drag Return of the Kings and it's going to be on YouTube if you want to find out the link for that YouTube or anything on Instagram it's macho.man.drag.uk and all of the info's there there's a huge lineup. Uh, it's going to be extremely fun loads of different people there wonderful talent across the uh, the drag spectrum be that queens, kings, things, monsters, anything in between, and also um, of every different gender identity. So there's absolutely something for everyone there. So come and join us for that. Uh, and then keep your eye out. I have been writing a few things, so you might see some stuff filmed by me in the not-too-distant future. That's exciting. I'm looking, I look forward to, to seeing it. Thank you so much for accepting to be a guest at my podcast. Yay, thank you for having me. As advertised last episode, I once again forgot to ask my guest about someone who for them is an example of bravery. But this time I asked Fran to send me a voice note with her choices. And that's how we'll finish today's episode. So people from history that were brave. I mean, there are so many examples, but some of my absolute heroes, particularly because of their bravery in the face of the way that their gender was perceived or their race was perceived or their sexual orientation was perceived in that time. Frida Kahlo is one of my absolute heroes. And she was unapologetically herself, like she was messy and imperfect and how much of it was consciously enacted, who knows, but you know, she had lovers of different genders and she did what she did and she fought her way through what was a very difficult period of time for a woman and she did what she felt was appropriate for her. Another hero of mine in terms of braveness was Lee Miller, the extremely talented photographer who had such a difficult childhood and originally started off as a model and then was a muse, but then learned all of these photography skills. And she is the one that you will see in that iconic image of her in Hitler's bath, being the first people with the Allied forces to find Hitler's house empty when he had fled. Uh, so she was one of the only, if not the only woman on the front line at that time. And so she did something incredibly brave by being the first person to go and do that. Also, Maya Angelou is a huge hero of mine after having such hardship and such a difficult start in life. She never didn't believe in herself. She never kind of gave up on her own shine and her own possibilities because what an incredible mind and an orator and a writer and a thinker and she carried on every step of the way even though she wasn't young when success came to her or when there was some modicum of success so I hugely respect the bravery to carry on because we talk about emerging artists and I think that people emerge at different times. We're not all 18 because of class restrictions or restrictions put on us because of how our race is perceived or is policed within society or our gender or our orientation. We all emerge at different times and just because you haven't done it at the age of 25 doesn't mean it's not going to happen and doesn't mean you should give up. So that is huge bravery. And of course, Claudette Colvin refused to get up. We don't know about her because she wasn't the media squeaky clean, friendly version of the civil rights activist. Obviously, Rosa Parks big up as well. But Claudette Colvin having the tenacity and the strength of conviction, even though it could have been really deadly for her, she said, no, enough is enough. So those are some of my absolute heroes uh, from history. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at Mariana's Beats on Twitter and Instagram, where I'll post all the updates for the Dowdy podcast. Hashtag Dowdy pod, 
do rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're so inclined, you can tip me on coffee or PayPal at, at Mariana's Beats. And before I forget, again, thank you so much to Champagne for the intro music. And do come back for our next episode. Bye!